Welcome back to the Beer O'Clock Podcast. I'm Dylan Toon. I'm Angus Norris. And we are here to bring you all the important views and outdated news, especially outdated this month from the Australian beer world and beyond. Uh, on that front, apologise for being mildly behind on the podcast and uh, also the website. Yeah, life has been busy. I've had a ridiculous couple of weeks at work, but we're still here. We're still recording. Stuff's going on in the background. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we are definitely still here. And uh, to that end, a thank you to Simon Hargraves for sending through his top five breweries on the uh, website in response to our um, Golden Pint from the special episode that we released earlier this month. Uh, His top five was Hop Nation, Bonehead, Deeds, Fixation and Hargraves Hill. Um, That is a pretty good top five. It is. Clearly likes his hoppy stuff. Um, Yeah. And yeah, they're all... They're all good breweries. Yeah, yeah. So thanks for that, Simon. And if anyone else wants to send through their top fives, uh, feel free um, in response to ours. Uh, we'll have to get a, a master list up there at some stage. I think we have the, the list of the 25, maybe not in order or something like that from memory. Uh, yeah, I can't remember off the top of my head, but we can, we'll see what we can do. <laughs> yeah, we'll have a look and see if we can, maybe we can format, make some little blog post with the Golden Pints or something just to have a historical record. Yeah, yeah, just on in on paper, I guess. Because um, I was going to say our top five, and I was afraid that I'd get it mixed up. So I don't think I can do it in order. Off the top yeah, of my head. yeah. <laughs> it was a long process. There's there's a lot of worthy breweries there, so we'll blame that. And there were a few beers involved in the process as well. Not that. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Not that. That's a surprise for this podcast. No. Nah, and on that note, I suppose we'll just get straight into the news. Um, congratulations to Bentspoke. We're a little bit behind here, but um, Crankshaft taking out first place in the Hottest 100 um, was probably always coming, I thought, but, you, you know, it seemed it always just be the bridesmaid. Um, we will talk about the Hottest 100 in depth a bit more after the news, but um, good on them. Yeah, congratulations to Richard and Tracy um, and the whole team. At Benspoke, they they produce really good stuff all the time, and it's good to seeing them get sort of their just rewards. Yeah, and great to see. I suppose congratulations are also due to Jane Lewis and Danielle Allen, who have uh, sold two birds to Fermentum. Yeah, this was a really interesting one. This dropped in, I think, early January from memory. Yeah, yeah, it's quite a while ago now. Um, yeah, two birds. Um, it's, I see it as a good move for both parties. Um, it's very logical. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, Fermentum, um, the group that owns Stone and Wood, Fixation, Forest for the Trees, all that sort of stuff. Um, they get an extra, you know, solid brand that has good good traction in, in Melbourne and I assume in other places around Australia. Yeah, definitely see a bit of a kicking around in Queensland. Yeah, yeah, and like two birds have been in an interesting spot for a few years because they're not really at the pointy end of the market. But they kind of make stuff that aims for that, I think. Yeah, yeah, so I th- I feel they've been a little lost and that maybe this will help them, you know. Yeah, I agree. On. They're in, in a bit of a, a weird spot where it, it was hard to tell exactly what direction they were looking for. I think I think they were looking for that, that big mainstream appeal and they were getting it in here and there, but just uh, there wasn't a lot of momentum behind it, I felt. So this could, yeah, a bit of momentum from Fermentum. Yeah, might, ex- might ex- exactly. On. And it makes sense for 
uh, fermentum because they can obviously move fixation production to Spotswood. Yeah, yeah, which is um, Melbourne home. It makes more sense than it being in Byron. Yeah, definitely. And I'm sure that's decent capacity there. I only picked this up just before we went on. Um, tucked away at the bottom of that press release, um, there was a thing that Fermentum are planning a $50 million expansion. I guess um, that makes sense. Stone and wood. Yeah. That's all you really need. Yeah, exactly. And the new brewery, which is just down the road from their other Mowillumba brewery, um, is going to have capacity for 40 million litres and being expandable to 80 million litres. So that's in Queensland? Uh, I think it's just northern New South Wales, but okay, okay. on that border somewhere. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, yeah, that, that'll be interesting to see how it goes going forward. And, um, yeah, fingers crossed we see some more two-bird stuff floating around because I feel like I've seen less of it recently. It's still there, but... Um, it's definitely less prominent. Yeah, I think the last things I probably saw were those little the bird ones, the Chu Tang and the other one. Yep. Yep. They were the last ones I remember drinking and I like them. Um just you don't see a lot of limited releases from them and their core range stuff is around kind of. Yeah, but not it's normally not very fresh when you find it. Yeah, and that's the thing it that beer. Those beers have to be so fresh. It's always been the way. Like Sunset Ale is probably the only one that can get away with it. But even Sunset Ale is much better fresh. Yeah, exactly. We've spoken but, before about how the Golden Ale, which I think is now extinct. Um, yeah, Golden Ale's gone. Yeah, it was such a different beer when it was like a, a month old versus three months old even. And I think our comments on Pale Ale when it launched were that, oh my God, this is amazing fresh, but it's going to be horrible in a month. Yeah, and every other time I've had it, it's been underwhelming compared yeah. to that first time where it was like a day old. Yeah. Uh, well, good luck yeah. to them because it's a brand that's coming up on 10 years old. Yeah, yeah, and obviously female-owned. Um, yeah. Wish them all the best. Um, exactly. Another Great one people. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Another one from early January. Uh, there was a freak hailstorm in New Zealand which um, damaged hop crops. Yeah, yeah, so this was the... Boxing Day, they had a huge hailstorm that ripped through, uh, I'm going to get the Kiwi pronunciation wrong, but it's Motuera, I think. Sounds fun. Yeah. (laughs) Um, That part of the region uh, hit five of the 28 growers in the NZ Hops Collective. Um, And so there's been a fair bit of damage to Rewaka and Nelson Savon crops for this year. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which is not ideal. Very important hops, obviously. Yeah, exactly. And so those those uh, farmers have lost approximately 50% of their crops. For this yeah, year. yeah, that's which is bad. I mean, it, it just reminds me of, you know, uh, bushfires affecting a lot of uh, Australian crops. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, yeah, wish them all the best, hopefully. There's a lot of um, fruit that's also grown in that region. Uh, which makes sense as a hop-growing region, obviously. Um, but they were talking about some of those farmers having 100% losses you know, yeah, which fr- is... from fruit. So that's all going to have to be juiced or potentially made into beer. So we may start seeing some kiwi <laughs> fruit beer things popping up. Flying around, yeah. Yeah, which would be a good thing to come out of it if they could make that happen. It is a shame, as they sort of mentioned. Um, in, in the Brews News article, the interviewed party uh, sort of saying that New Zealand hops are really gaining global traction which is definitely true it is 
not ideal timing, but I have a feeling they'll come out of it okay. The beer community tends to support quite well, and fingers crossed, it's all better this year. Exactly. Um, and hopefully they have enough to get through, and I'm, yeah, hopefully the community rallies around them, which I am sure they will. Yeah, onwards and upwards. I'm sure they'll plant more acreage next year, and we'll keep going. I guess the good thing is, if it's a freak hailstorm, um, they literally they said the worst they've ever had in the area. That's probably not going to be replicated immediately. You would think at least, not like well, bushfires. You'd you hope know. not. Yeah, you'd hope yeah. not. <laughs> Although, yeah, who knows with La Nina? I think it's La Nina now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, one of the bad ones. It's either El Nino or La Nina. It's a 50-50 guess here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, um, we'll just edit in awkwardly whichever one was correct. <laughs> no one will notice. Um, another one that the, we hope the community gets around is uh, Dollar Bill's Ballarat's Cellar Door, uh, which seems to be rejected by the local council because they just thought it was going to be a noisy pub and not didn't actually read the application, apparently. No bias, yeah. though, whatsoever. Yeah, I'm getting the vibe that Ballarat may be dead in the water for Dollar Bill. Um, yeah, lot. there were 30 objections to it, which seems like an inordinate number, um, especially considering there's a winery on the same road. Yeah, it's dumb. <laughs> I feel like there's a bit of personal stuff going on here that's being aired in public and just being disguised behind, you know, semi-reasonable complaints. Or potentially semi-reasonable complaints. Theoretically reasonable complaints, possibly. Yeah. But this was a cellar door that was going to be open once a month, have 30 people, and their beers are not beers that you're going to sit there and have 20 of and get smashed on. No, they very much said they wanted it to be a, here, let's look at where we make this, look at how we make this, look at the community. It's just a bit of a shame for Ballarat, I think. Especially with Ballarat aiming to be this sort of beer tourist destination. Like, there's... I think now five or six breweries in that little area around there. Yeah, it's remarkably short-sighted, to be honest. And um, it's pretty disappointing. And I think, yeah, people have objected to it, like you said, for reasons perhaps not actually realistic. Whether they haven't read it or there is something else at play, it is very silly and it doesn't make any sense. And I really hope the dollar bill find a good location they have mentioned there's a place in dalesford possibly yeah i think they've found a site um it's slightly complicated by the fact that ballarat place is also their home you know so they're looking at moving home and brewery and yeah yeah it's a bit all up in the air there was also talk about maybe a melbourne tap room which would be an interesting um, yeah yeah if they want to keep the home in ballarat i guess they could i think i think a dalesford thing would make sense i think they they should probably the way they wanted to do it, I think you want to move the home. It would be a pain to move all the barrels, but I think it's very much based around showing people the process. This, yeah, this is it. Here's the fruit that's gone into this barrel, you know, exactly, all that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah, so I think they might. I think moving home makes sense to me, but um, yeah, we'll see how they go. Yeah, um, best good luck, luck to them. them. We will definitely yeah. support them whenever they do move. And um, we're, I think we can. our disappointment is probably, you know, palpable, but that's... We're allowed probably. to be a little bit biased sometimes, I think. <laughs> it's prob- probably not as big as their disappointment over, oh, the, whole, definitely. over definitely. the whole process. Yeah. But good luck is. to them. Again, we've said this a few times this episode, good people. You know, we yeah, hope it yeah. uh, works out for Fiona and Ed. Who have put in the hard yards to do something which probably, you know, not a lot of fruits would be immediately seen. Um, 
like they've yeah barely had anything trickling out for you know a while it's only sort of recently you start seeing them all over the place yeah and even then all over the place is like you know a tiny section of the market yeah carwin and etc <laughs> all over the place where nerds like us go which is yeah not really reflective <laughs> but um yeah all the best to the dollar bill crew Entries are now open for the 2021 AIBAs. They are. They're open till the 26th of March for all those so, pro brewers out there. Get rolling. Uh, they have introduced a few new categories, uh, one for non-alcoholic beer, which I think is great. Yeah, I thought that's the one that would interest you the most. <laughs> yeah, I actually like the IPA one more possibly because splitting into modern and traditional makes so much sense. So much uh, sense. Because, yeah, that was a bit silly how they were doing it last year. Um, best specialty beer, best specialty beer, and best specialty flavored beer is a little confusing, but I assume it's like a straight specialty beer versus one that's ad- adjunct heavy, I suppose. That was my take on it. Like without seeing the actual rule book for this year, um, yeah, I would assume it's non-adjuncted and adjuncted, or like yeah, yeah, or maybe non-traditional adjunct. Because I assume if you were to enter a Groot or something, you would still be allowed to put Heather in it and it not be... Yeah, no, I I understand what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, Obviously, the, you know, the BJCP specialty beer thing is very, very open. So I think it's just whatever their gut feel is. We'll say, yeah. And I think that's probably the way to do it, to be honest, um, with this kind of thing. The other category that I thought was interesting was the Champion Vic Brewery Trophy. One, that it's going to be presented by the Premier. That will be could be an interesting little altercation. Uh, and two, uh, the criteria for that was that the brewery must be loaded in Victoria, which makes sense, and the yep. beers being judged must be produced at their own brewery, which is an interesting distinction. Yeah, I don't mind it. It is interesting, though. That is interesting. Yeah. I, I don't mind it at all. I just find that an interesting little thing. Because if you think about people like even like Three Ravens, I don't think they produce any normal juicy anymore i think that's all contracted out yeah yeah Uh, i imagine yeah a lot of their basic core stuff is yeah so like it limits which beers are eligible for that and yeah i I just thought it was an interesting little addendum it'll be interesting to see how it goes um i've just pulled up the aiba entry booklet and found the the point just so we can correct about this doesn't help that much but um (laughs) so specialty flavored beer um herb and spice beer specialty honey lager or ale uh, chocolate or cocoa-flavoured beer, um, any, any other specialty-flavoured beer, which I guess is where the confusion comes from, a pumpkin beer or a coffee beer. Interesting. So adjunct stout, sounds like. Yeah. And any, and I, so it sounds like a gruet would be specially-flavoured. Yeah, I reckon that falls into herbs. <laughs> yeah, and I do like the alcohol range for uh, the chocolate, cocoa, coffee ones. Anyway, between 1% and 99%. <laughs> oh, good, good. Yeah, which I think is realistic. Um, specialty beers, a lot of those seem to be uh, Fresh Hop Ales, California Commons, uh, Bamberg, Roche beers, uh, Scotch Ales, It's really, really the catch-all for whatever doesn't yeah, fit in a simple category. That, yeah, and I guess so the flavoured ones, yeah. Like, does sound adjunct, adjunct-heavy, like we said. Yeah. Um, Microstar and Kegstar have merged. Yeah, this is quite interesting. Two of the biggest sort of keg loaning companies floating around um and the new entity is going to be owned 15 percent by brambles who own kegstar and 85 percent by microstar's existing shareholders um of course that's subject to foreign investment approval here 
Um, but I assume in the States that's just fine. Yeah, yeah. Almost certainly. <laughs> I'm sure they have they they have they do have regulations, but they're very weird. The ones they do have. Yeah. Basically, yeah. I think their stuff doesn't get proposed if it's going to fall Not out gonna, of any of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Bruce Vegas have the organizers have said 2021 will be put on pause. Not surprising, particularly. Um, no, no, I do feel a bit worried for them though, because also in that they said. They were waiting for surety that the event won't be taken away for them at the last minute. Mm, mm. I think you could be a fair while off that being the case. Yeah, but we'll see. You but do we'll have. See. It's going to be a roll in the dice thing, I think, until the country is vaccinated and so on. Yeah. Um. But yeah, look, one more year of these cancellations, I think, will be reasonably common. Although, having said that, Beach West High Country Hop is on, on the 27th, 28th of March. Yeah, which is awesome, because that's a fun event. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that's uh, Bridge Road Brewers began this. Um, I haven't been there, I don't think. It seems like a, a, the high country is so nice, and it's you know got some breweries we like up there. Yeah, basically it's in the car park at, at Beechworth and uh, Bridge Road in Beechworth. <laughs> it says all new wrong. location for this year. Oh, so. interesting. I didn't uh, In the historic precinct of Beechworth, so it's going to be out in the main road. So not the yeah. car park, they've gone from the back to the front. Gone to the front, excellent. Um, there were eight high country brewers coming along, um, plus Range and Sailor's Grave, sort of opposite ends of the spectrum there. Um, yep. They have a heap of live music acts, local distilleries and wineries come out, and food trucks and stuff. It's a good time. Yeah, might have to see if we can get a weekend off. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> if we can't go to Ballarat. Um, which I think we did promise on this podcast, so it's completely relevant to discuss. Yeah, we probably Um, did promise it at some point, didn't we? (laughs) Sounds like something we would do. Um, A few closures of breweries to sadly mention, although there's a a few things going on here. Um, Harrington's closes, which is the New Zealand brewery. Um, So is this just the physical location? Yeah, just the physical location. Uh, so they were bought by, I think it's Lion, it's one of the big ones, in 2018. Um, basically, they're, they've been around since the early 90s. Um, their brewery in Christchurch will, needs to be renovated, you know, to brought up to standard, etc. cetera. Um, but it's a very expensive brewery to renovate. And so instead, they're closing the site and going to brew most of the beers at some of their other breweries, you know, on the South Island. Yeah, yeah, which makes sense. Um, I... If you if you had to compare this, I'd say it's, this is a very Matilda Bay kind of situation. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, bought out by a, a big multinational and um, just moving production and the the popularity that once was there perhaps isn't anymore. But there's enough to still make a few of their beers. Yeah, I wonder if we'll see a rebirth like Matilda Bay in 10, 15 years' time. Which is <laughs> apparently open now. It is. It is. Yeah. Um, just unfortunately, to, again, we're going to have to go to Heelsville, Dylan. Oh, jeez. Uh, just to touch on that again, that is definitely something we promised. <laughs> yeah. Um, Bowcamp Beer in Tasmania has closed, but it is reopening as the Albert. Yeah. So this sounded like a COVID casualty. So I think there were three partners in the original Bowcamp uh, operation. Yeah. Uh, two of the founders had some financial issues from COVID, and one of them's bought bought out the other two uh, and relaunched, basically with the same idea, 
we're still going to have the same three main beers. Um, all Lager Brewery. Uh, and it's huge as well. It's 30 heck. Mm. That is big. Um, yeah, it's, it surprised me how big it was. I guess it's lager. You know, you, yeah. you want to do volume. Well, the bottom of it did say that it was proving, like the beers had proved popular and was even converting some la- Tassie lager drinkers, you know? Across. Yeah, so it's, it's a bit of a shame. Yeah. Uh, but good luck to them. That's one I really want to check out the beers from. Yeah, definitely. We, we have um, definitely spoken privately about how We've probably spoken on here about that. We're going to embarrass ourselves. Um, the Brisbane Brew Partners have closed. This one was uh, mid-January as well, and this was a bit of a, I wouldn't say a weird one, but it's just nothing ever really came of it. Yeah, so we talked about this, I think, when they opened and said, this is a cool idea, but it's not going to work. And yeah. that is pretty much exactly what happened. Um, according to the Brews News guys, and you'll have to go back and find one of their early January episodes for the full details, they were up there recently and it was never the brewery wasn't even plumbed in wasn't you know fitted out anything like that wasn't ready to go yeah <laughs> so the idea Doesn't. of it being an incubated brewery <laughs> was never going to get off the ground <laughs> well and why would you want an incubated brewery when you've got the uh, the gold coast brewery up there anyway that's oh. you need what why would you need anything else <laughs> <laughs> anything full stop <laughs> um but yeah basically it sounded like a guy I think he ended up like basically making a dance club pub thing and just yeah, that was the weird part. And, it yeah. just it was instead of like going you know um, with the original idea or like slightly pivoting, it just totally changed it. Like keep the venue and totally change the idea, and understandably didn't work because the location wasn't designed for that. Yeah, but the stainless was there, so people could be like, "Oh, I'm having beers at a brewery." <laughs> yeah, just, that's true. Just wasn't true. commissioned and ready to go. Yeah. Uh, speaking of not ready to go, um, <laughs> here is your um, your sort of what bi-monthly brew update. Yeah, Jesus. Uh, you, another quarter of losses. It's uh, three quarters of a million, so it's lost more than twenty million since twenty fourteen. Now, um, yeah. So if you think about it, it was a good quarter, Dylan. <laughs> yeah, it's true for them. Yeah, we've said that a couple of times. So maybe things are on the up. Um, <laughs> Until yeah. you read the other article, which was yeah. the, the vaunted China deal that was going to save the entire thing collapsed. Um, and as anyone who's done any business with China will know, it's almost impossible to enforce deals with Chinese companies. So that is the end of that deal. They will never get that money. No, and it was always very... I, just, I never thought it was going to happen. It, it never was ne- seemed like it was, was never going to happen. It was just a way to string out this Ponzi scheme for a bit longer. <laughs> yeah. So they're trading at 1.5 cents a share. Um, yeah, so that's, it's um, it's interesting. Like, you sort of... It's been pretty consistently crap for a while now, so it's... um, You feel bad for the investors that are going to lose a lot of money because apparently lots of people did invest when they were at 30 cents a share or whatever it was. Oh, fair enough, too, if you yeah. didn't know any better. Yeah, exactly. I did then like their other article, which was their, the new focus on Australia. It's like, well, where else are you going to sell your beer, Ken? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, possibly the CUB agreement will be fine. Yeah, but the CUB agreement doesn't really help them because they pay CUB almost the cost of producing the beer. Yeah. They, almost the cost they sell the beer for. So there's not much profit in that agreement. Dollar and 81 cents a carton. 
The other interesting thing was in that they also flagged that they were going to revive their plan for their $100 million world's greenest brewery in Ballarat. Uh, yeah. um, I'm sure that appara- would be allowed in Ballarat. Mm, mm. <laughs> apparently, apparently, though, there's a clause in that contract. They've only got one year left to complete the build have over 100 employees, or the original owner can buy back the land. <laughs> Easy. I'm sure, they'll, I'm sure they'll figure out something very dodgy. I feel that that could be the final nail in the coffin. It, yes, yes. Realistically, that, that does sound like it will be. Um, a, few, a few more positive ones, a few openings. Uh, Matic Brewing, which we went to on the Gold Coast, have announced their brew pub is going to open up. I'm going to try to get them on the podcast and do a chat a bit more about their beers but this is uh good on them uh starting from their garage and going into a location in ashmore yeah which is about 15 minutes closer to the gold coast like to the, where people stay on the gold coast that is mm. <laughs> um then the current site the current site's great but i still don't understand how they possibly ever got planning for that but especially especially on a um a temporary residence visa <laughs> yeah it's amazing it's a great, it's a great story. It's going to be a, a one to tell the grandkids if they care yeah. uh, about, about the ins and outs of Australian liquor licensing. But it is, it's bizarre. Um, but good on them. Yeah, good on them. Again, this is about the third or fourth time this episode. Great, great people. <laughs> really good beer. Yeah. Um, so support those guys if you get the chance. And I assume actually, if they're putting out a, a brewery and brew pub, they get, there's going to be a bit more of their beer around, which would be good. Yeah, yeah, because I think it's it's definitely at the level where it should be getting more praise, but totally understandable that it doesn't just because the volume isn't there. Yeah, the size constraints. Yeah, yeah. And all the locals, I think, must be snapping that up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sobar are going to launch a tap room. Um, planning to, anyway. Yeah. Now, a this one's really odd. Yeah. This one is really odd. What do you think about a, no, a non-alcoholic tap room? Do you think it would work? I just don't. I'm not sure. Um, yeah. I think, like, it's it's just it's tricky. I, I don't think so. I guess is the answer, but I could be proven wrong. Um, we're starting to see kegs of a non-alcoholic beer being a thing. It's possibly up by the time it opens. Um, it's it's really it's really interesting. Um, I think maybe we will be surprised. The market keeps growing. Yeah. Um, I just I I could see it if you had like a wolf of the willow situation where like sober was sharing with an, another brewery. Yeah. Um, I feel that, I feel that's a more realistic option, but I don't see myself going to a non-alcoholic brewery more than once for a novelty thing. I don't think I'd go back a number of times. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, there may be, it may just be that it's, it's a handy place for people to pick stuff up and it might be like a novelty. Yep. Um, there's also sort of, yeah, I, I guess there's, there's a few angles that could go with it. It'll be interesting. Um, I mean, it's one of those things where the tap room might not actually be that big. It might be more about expanding the brewery capacity. Yeah, well, they're currently brewing most of their stuff at Tribe, so... Yeah, yeah. I think it'd be good to have their own spot. Um, and it's definitely, you know, it's a growing sector. Um, look, I think it's not the worst idea ever, but I'm, I'm with you. It's interesting. It'll be interesting to see if it works. I wonder if moving their stuff from Tribe is the best move for them because Tribe have, you know, state-of-the-art facilities... Um, and I'm not, especially with non-alcoholic stuff, you've got to make sure you pasteurize that properly. Yeah. I, I assume the confidence is there. Yeah. Um, they're looking to raise five million bucks for that. Um, for they probably a, will, I think. And they've, they've got easily. about 
of the business. So that's valuing their business at twelve and a half million. Yeah, that, that checks out. I reckon that's high, but we'll see. I think. I think in terms of it's the, a growing trend. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, yeah, they are one of. They're sort of like the one that's kind of just doing that. Um, they've got a range, I think. So them and Upflow, like are the two that really yeah. come to mind, is actually doing a range sort of just doing one or two cool little things. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, it sounds about right. Um, I guess we will see we'll as we see. always do with these things. Yeah. yeah. But all the best to them um, as, a, you know, good people. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Epic Tap Room has finally opened in Auckland. Yeah, this is just one for if we ever get our bubble with New Zealand and we're allowed to travel again. Um, amazing beers. Sounds like a sort of just a working brewery that now they're allowed to have people in to have beers. Sounds fun. Yeah, and good on them. Um, I uh, could I could get drunk on Hot Zombie anywhere, so. Ah, uh, yeah. So Doing it there would be fun. The yeah. Yeah. Why not there? Uh, just a few quick ones to finish off the news. Um, Shelter Brewing on Arch Daily. Yeah, so Arch Daily is this, like, very famous architecture website. It gets like 250 million hits a month. It's ridiculous. Um, we'll chuck the link in the show notes to this. Uh, it's a new brewery in, I think it's Bustleton in Perth. Mm. Um, and it looks amazing. It's a really cool looking building. Yeah. Really cool looking building. Um, well, good on them. That's, um, yeah, a good, you couldn't ask for better advertising. Yeah. Very random, but yeah, I, I'd never heard of them and now I have. So <laughs> yeah, good on them. Uh, co-conspirators getting closer to their brew pub opening put out some renders yeah it looks pretty cool it looks very co-conspirators like it looks like a brew pub yeah it's in the building where uh himmelhund used to be um, okay brunswick yeah Yeah, so that's a good spot yeah up near foreigner so that'll be fun (laughs) yeah um it like if you didn't if i'm being honest like i love co-conspirators if you didn't have the co-conspirators stuff there like this is like the most generic looking brew pub ever. Oh yeah. That's kind of all they want. Their beer's good enough. They don't need to have anything more than that. Yeah. It'll be, I think it'll be fun. Yeah. They finally get it off the ground. Uh, And King River are doubling their capacity. They are clearly on the back of all the publicity we've given them. (laughs) They're they're high finish in the golden pints. Um, Those guys brew great beers. You've heard that enough. If you're a regular listener here. Um, Yeah, but but hopefully more of it around. Yeah, exactly, because I know people ask me. I do get a disproportionate number of emails. Maybe it's not disproportionate. We do talk about it a lot. Um, number of emails about where they can get them. Yeah. So hopefully that means we see more we'll have an around. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, that does us for news. Uh, we'll be back to break down the hottest 100. All right, we are back going to have a quick chat about the Hottest 100, won't break it down too deeply um, as we're a little late, but uh, yeah, have a few thoughts going around I think. Yeah, I'm sure people have some want to hear our thoughts, but probably don't need a whole hour <laughs> of it. No, no, well, so we'll try, to, we'll try to get through these relatively quickly, but there's definitely a bit to discuss. Mm, mm. Definitely. Uh, do you want to kick us off with any broad thoughts? Um, yeah, so I might even just start with a question based on, you know, where we've gone. What do you think about the advertising slash campaigning for votes? Do you think we should pull that back a little bit? Ben Spoker obviously once talked about stepping up, um, 
their campaigning this year after what they saw last year with people doing it. And Stone and Wood said they'd reduced their spending on it by about a third, which is quite interesting. It's it's tricky because, I mean, I guess it's, a lot of it depends on how much you think you're going to get out of it and whether it's worth it. Um, I don't know how much you can really... I mean, you can say you can't advertise for it, but you never know. There's still... General advertising of certain beers is going to lend itself to voting in the Hottest 100, whether you mention it or not, Yeah, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think you can definitely see the influence on something like Hawaiian Haze, which had a huge campaign behind it. It's a very nice beer. A massive um, campaign. (laughs) Yeah, but that was a big campaign behind it, and that's uh, 243 places up, I think. Something like Ben spoke, that's been consistently top three. I mean, it might have pushed them over the edge, but, you know, they get beers, they get, you know... Well, we, beers we've talked about those uh, those three beers being untouchable. Those three beers being Stone and Wood, Pacific Ale, Bent Spoke, Crankshaft, and Bolter XBA would be so far in front on votes that it's not funny. Yeah, yeah. And, um, like, great to see Larry at fourth, and that's probably big advertising, but they would be a long way back. And um, so I think, I don't know, I think it's maybe it's worth it for Bent Spoke. Maybe they'll see if it's worth it. Um, I don't know how much you can police the advertising. It does lean you know, lend itself to these bigger independent breweries kind of having more of a push in that regard. But, you know, you look at something like your mates, and I think they've got some national notoriety from being up here that they wouldn't have had otherwise, and they're not necessarily massive. Yeah, that's probably fair. But there is a commercial sort of advantage to spending a lot of your money here because if you can crack the top 20, say, you know, and no one's ever heard of you, you'll suddenly be ranged in dance if you can stock it. You know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's the thing, um, and you can easily justify to you know Respect. independent bottle shops as well. Um, you can say, "Oh, look, we were you know we were top thirty, top twenty in the hottest one hundred that you know a whole, whole bunch of people voted for. Um, our popularity is going up year on year. Blah blah blah. There's the yeah, it, there is definitely a commercial aspect to it, but um, I don't really know how you you stop it, and I don't necessarily have a massive problem with it because overall the list seems okay <laughs> it doesn't it seems to reflect things okay and really the point of the list is about increasing the awareness of craft beer and it doesn't really matter almost what's on the list you know like that sounds bad no no i know what you mean though i know what you mean um it's it's about yeah pushing it out there and it's like it's not like these are bad beers getting in there nothing that makes a list is a bad beer despite what people say um, yeah, it may not be your favourite beer. That's right. That's They're exactly all right. well brewed, but um, yeah. I think I, the worst thing is that the Hawkers campaign for West Coast only pushed it up to 86. Yeah, Muzzin clearly need to send that wider. <laughs> <laughs> um, the one thing, one thing I will say on that sort of integrity campaigning sort of front, we had seven brewers take 39 spots this year. Yeah, that's... That one is interesting. I think that is almost getting to the point where perhaps, I don't know how you limit that, but maybe they can't submit more than five beers or something, three beers, something. But then you get the problem of people forcing votes towards one particular beer. Yeah. It, it's just, it is tricky though. There is a lot of repetition in the list nowadays. Um, yeah. So Black Ops and Capital both had seven beers in. Bolter, Ballistic, Benspoke, Modus, Operandi and Your Mates both all had five. And, like, let's be real, the, a lot of the Your Mates things are people voting for Larry and then also voting for their other beers. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, 
I yeah, that probably bothers me slightly more than any particular single advertising because like I don't mind making a big push for Hawaiian haze, and it's a smart way to do it. It's how the system's designed, and yeah. I honestly think if you push one beer, you're going to push your other beers up with it. So. Yeah, I think so. Because if you can convince those people to vote for Hawaiian Hayes, then they're going to be like, what else do I vote for? Oh, I like that. Yeah. Other yeah, ballistic exactly. beer. Um, so we're down on Brewers featured, obviously with 39 spots being taken by seven. We only had 41 this year. Yeah. Uh, in the final 100. Um, the total votes, we actually heard the number for the first time. So they've never actually officially announced that before. I guess that with the change of ownership, they're less worried about announcing that number. Yeah. Um, so, so that was up. He said it was up just over 10% to just under 40,000 people. So yeah, which 200. is a, that's a decent amount of people. You're getting into numbers where, you know, that that's significant data. Yeah, yeah. Um, still still a fair way off uh, Triple J's numbers, but it's, it's yeah. going up. 1,950 beers got a vote, which is also a big, that's, that's a big cool. number. Yeah, that is a lot. That, that's cool. Um, now I suppose we should address some of the the usual crap that comes out. From, we do every year, yeah. From people, like people not understanding a popularity contest is one of the most frustrating things in the world. When people write, "Oh, my favourite limited release beer didn't make the hundred, the count doesn't work," you know, or it's a Dan Murphy's thing or whatever. It's like if a beer is not ranged in Dan Murphy's, it is unlikely to make it. Purely because Dan Murphy's, well, Endeavour Drinks has sixty five percent of the market. <laughs> yeah, that's just and that's just us. <laughs> it there's nothing complicated about this, <laughs> in the slightest. More people are more likely to get my, their hands on a beer that is widely available. Yeah, and you, you want to be looking at like the new beers, I think, list or one of the other ones if you want to actually see that kind of thing. <laughs> Exactly. Although one of my favourite comments from this year was like, um, it was along those lines, like, oh man, look at the indie list if you want to ignore the Dan stuff. The indie list this year goes up to 118. Yeah. yeah the because in- we've lost 15 beers in the count and then there's three three other ones in there. Eight it's not the, the indie list they're talking about. Yeah. It's not the indie bis- beer list you're looking for. You're looking for the, I think it's the hottest, new ones in 2020. New beers, new 20, yeah, 2020 beers. Because that is, that's a, you look at that and you're like, oh, this looks like, this is a list of things that were popular this year, funnily enough, because it's a 2020 list. One of my other favourites was, I v- blah, 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 I vote every year, blah, blah, blah. The list is just ridiculous. There's no range, banks, deeds, or mountain culture in it. Now, deeds did make the count with their core range, um, Juice, Juice train. train. Yeah. Which are really nice beer. Yeah. And I've had uh, it for double time. Yeah. So yeah, double time's great. The double that's a double dry hop pale, isn't just it? Just that pale, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh and the guy whinging about mountain culture, lots of people whinging about mountain culture actually, and they didn't even submit this year. So all these people whining about how mountain culture didn't make it, they didn't even vote for them because no one could vote for them. And the other thing worth mentioning is Banks released 800,000 beers and they didn't push oh, any of them and they put them yeah, all on the list. Same, so with, same, <laughs> with, same with range, exactly. If you don't have a core range, you're not going to get on this. If you're selling, you know, 2,000 cans of a release, you know, even less, I assume, actually, probably more like 1,000, you know, for each of these special releases, they're just not going to get into enough people's hands and those people aren't all going to have the same favourite one. There was one Facebook comment that wasn't some moron who doesn't understand what a popularity contest is which i thought was quite interesting and worth repeating here 
Uh, there's like a weird paradoxical cycle as follows. Quality beers leads to increased revenue slash profit and brand recognition, which leads to greater investment available for natural distribution and marketing, which leads to higher rankings in a popularity contest. Yeah, and so the cycle goes on. Exactly, exactly. It's not a terribly difficult concept of why, you know, the same things keep coming up the top. Yeah, you get the new people in every year, I guess, who want to see the things that they drank in there, but it's just not that kind of list. No, that's not what it's for. And it's um, the same with the Triple J Hottest 100. It's not if it's if the list is upsetting you, it's because you're not looking at the list correctly. Yeah, you're not the target audience of the list. Yes, yes. Uh, in Triple J's case, you're probably old, and in this thing's case, you are probably a snob. <laughs> yeah, and sort of the one positive is if the gateway beers are still the beers at the top, that means more people are getting involved. Yep, and um, you know IPAs first. This would be. One of the first IPAs. There's probably one early on. Since Hop Hog. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. And but Hop Hog's a, a, a pale ale, quote unquote. Yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah, I don't I don't have a lot else to say about this. I mean it's cool to see some things up there. I'm just sort of having a look. But like honestly it's just the list like it always is. I mean, we could do if it was closer to the date we could have done a big breakdown or something, but um I think it's Victoria it just backup's is. cool. I, yep. wonder if the, I wonder if that's a lockdown thing because we were de- in lockdown <laughs> so long, a local yeah. thing. People Could well be. That sort of stuff. Obviously the, more hazies. The other thing I thought was interesting was Bolter's performance, you know, post-buyout, yep. versus Green Beacon versus Pirate Life versus Mountain Goat. Yeah, Bolter's clearly been better managed slash no one cares. Yeah, well, that's interesting, isn't it? And by no one cares, I mean their core drinking people don't. It doesn't bother them. Um, I did find it interesting that Bad Shepherd's Peanut Butter Porter snuck in at 100. I didn't even know that was out last year. It must have just, like... I I don't recall it happening. Yeah, it must have have just snuck in there. Um, Clearly it did. Yeah, yeah. um, Finished 445th last year, so... That's a good beer, though. It's nice to see that on there. And um, crazy to see Hop Hog that far down, like, in the bottom 10 of the top 100. Yeah. Crazy. Just weird, but it does. It is an accurate reflection. I have got a few beers that I'm going to run through very quickly, sure. um, with sort of thoughts, basically going down the list. Um, Black Ops Goat finishing fifth. Yeah, I've had one. Have you had one? Yep, nice. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, I don't understand why there's hate towards that finishing the top ten. Oh, I didn't know there was. Yeah, yeah, people thought. That they paved for it or something. But I haven't seen them advertise. And when they voted the most popular brewery in Beer Cartel's recent survey. It's just yeah, uh, it exactly. makes total sense they would have a beer up there and it's a hazy and it's <laughs> hazies have really taken off. All of that yeah. checks out and surely all of you dance people who were like this is a dance list would like the hazy being up there. <laughs> surely. Yeah, well and also I mean it, it was I mean it's in it's in dance. Um, oh, is it? There you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. No it is, it is. But um it was like a special I release. Thing. I don't go to Dan's very often. <laughs> yeah, I got mine from Dan's. I got mine. It was pretty fresh when I got it. Oh, there you go. Well, so I, I, like, last, I had it two year, over two years ago, so which must have been the first release, I assume, of that. Yeah, I would say something like, oops, better get back on this. Yeah. Um, Modus Operandi XPA at 23. Clearly bad TV ads work. 
Yeah, and also clearly, just in general, Modus has more of a presence than perhaps we still gave it credit for. They have their own dens, so well, they got five beers in this yeah. year, but they'd Which had maybe two, their best result ever. Uh, I think they had five three years ago, but they had okay. two dud years in the middle. Yeah. Um, stomping ground, Gip Street on the rise up to up twelve spots to twenty seven. Yeah, that'd definitely be the lockdown factor. I think. Yeah, yeah. Stomping God, that's ground were. Yeah, and they, they did a lot of little promotions and things. Yeah. Uh, ben Spoke Red Nut, 32. Red IPAs, up up 23. Other Red IPAs, former Tenant, up 12 spots. Yeah. Evil, Capitals Evil Eye, up 11 spots. And you couldn't even, vote for Mountain Cultures. So. <laughs> and even if we go down to uh, 88, Four Pines Amber, up 110 spots. So is yeah. Malt making a comeback? Maybe. Sours definitely aren't. Sours definitely aren't. I did notice that. Southwest, the highest one, at 61. Yeah. I was intrigued by Colonial's performance because I thought there might be a big Backlash. voting. No, no. I thought I thought it would go the other way, to be honest. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I expected to see them much higher. Um, their beers and... aren't amazing. That They're about where they deserve to be. I yeah, I, I think that's right. I think their beers are about where they deserve to be. Yeah. Heads of Noosa, I really want to try their beers. Japanese Lager at 37 for a beer that I don't think gets outside, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. They love supporting their own. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, Hop Nation's J-Juice, down 31 spots. Weird in a big hazy year. Yeah, do you reckon that's the rebrand from Jedi? People didn't. Probably. Yeah. That was my thought. I thought we needed to note Dainton's Jungle Juice, up 912 spots. Yeah. 57. Yeah, that that's a that's a rather large jump. Yeah, uh, Hawkers West Coast we've already talked about. Good to see Hawkers back in the in the hundred. Yep, one hundred and one. I'm very disappointed that the one drop double vanilla custard pancake milkshake IPA didn't quite make the hundred just to shut some people up. Yeah, that would have been amazing. Um, just knock Furphy out and put that in, then all of a sudden you'd have less complaining. I think. Yeah, basically. Um, Akasha's Corbin D dropped out of the 100. I'm surprised that that beer keeps falling down because that's a cracking double IPA. Yeah, it's probably just a rage thing. Yeah, possibly. Possibly. Two Bays Pale, the gluten-free one, making yep. 110. That's yep. a good sign. Yep. They'll probably get in next year. You'd think so. Bolter's Strong Pale, which I would argue is one of their best beers at 119. Yep. Not super surprising. They're probably, again, it's probably the hardest beer to find. Yeah, that's probably true, but God, it's a good beer. Mm. Fixation IPA, down 73 spots to 143. Yeah. Do you reckon that's the pub factor in Melbourne? Because that's my pub beer. Yeah, probably, and also just and being a normal IPA, I think, uh, hurts this true. year. Possibly uh, true. Not, not if you're crankshaft, obviously, but in terms of, yeah, I think Fixation's always got its dedicated audience. Um but not necessarily going to be a, a super high finisher. Yeah. Anyway, P- Pirate Life's second beer being the Pirate, the Exai and Passion Fruit Sour is interesting. Well, yeah, it's interesting because those two, you know, working in a liquor store, um, the South Coast and the Exai were the two, the only two I saw them push in terms of pricing, like super right. sharp pricing. Yeah, um, like $40.16s and things like that. Um. So that's, that's hard pushing. That's CUB being like, all right, these... So they're clearly going to be the two sort of tent poles going forward, I think. Yeah, that makes sense. South well, Coast is doesn't fine. Make, doesn't the make sense. The pretty nice. Yeah. 
Yeah. Push hazy. Um, push um, mosaic. That's the best one. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I imagine there will be. Yeah, I think that that normal IPA is probably going to go the way of the dodo soon enough. Yeah. Um, well, it was always the struggler of the. I always really liked it. Um, I just, it's, again, it's a condition thing. It wasn't as good as the, the pale or the double, though. I always, I always rated it super highly. I just, um, yeah, I could never find it in a good yeah. condition. So I don't even know if that holds up because I couldn't tell you because I can't find it more than like you know, I can't find it when it's not six months old. Yeah, yeah. Couple more that we'll run through quickly. Mornington yep. Pale, so good to see that. Get a slot at one seventy four. Yep. What a cracking pale. Hop Nation's Melbourne Fog. I think we've probably got them into the 200 by the amount we waxed yeah. lyrical about that beer earlier in the year. I didn't vote for it, though, to be fair. I probably did. I think I, I just forgot. I did. <laughs> uh, Bridge Road's B2 Bomber Mac 10, despite the issues with the first first batch, still made the 200. Yep. That's just that's an expen- their popularity. That's an expensive beer as well. Yeah. They're, that'd be uh, a dedicated fan base. The top range one being Yo-Yo Enthusiast, which I don't think we had, but their their entries are all sort of the same. Yeah, where was that? One ninety four. Okay, that's so yeah, just after Mister Banks's entry. And then just a few that have uh, intrigued me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just random little asides. Um, Beaver Brewing from the Territory, their Territory Mid. Was the highest Northern Territory beer at yeah. 214. Yeah. The top Tasmanian beer was 22 Paces's XBA at 347. I was, that was going to be my next question. That is so weird. I, I can't believe that a Moo Brew or something don't. It's I reckon bizarre. they mustn't have entered. They just mustn't have entered. Yeah. It, it's, I'm trying to think of like other big Tassie breweries and, you know, perhaps there aren't many, but. I think Moo Brew is the, the only one. The only like the only one you expect to see on this list, I think. Spotty Dog, I'm slightly surprised, or Fox Friday, maybe one of them. Iron House, maybe. Yeah, There's a few that are like kind of have some sort of reach. Yep. Yeah. Um, Morrison's yeah. even, but they're yeah, English Morrison's. style, so they're never going to get there. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, uh, yeah, it, the, it's weird. Then the final two that I had, which are purely for your enjoyment rather than anyone else's, <laughs> my uh, favorite. Bodriggy's Fuzzy Dance Explosion from the other day, 307. Yep. And Stone and Wood East Point, 349. Yep. And both will be, I'd say East Point could probably squeeze into the 100 next year, this year, next year. Hmm. I think it's oh. um definitely more likely than God now. Yeah, I think that's fair. And they've been pushing it a bit. And, um, you know, if they keep doing these 45 to $50 slabs of it delivered, then... Yeah, people are going to get around it. It's just, yeah, it's, it's a cool, it's the most interesting light beer on the market, I'd say. Like, that's easily attainable. Yeah. Because, like, a lot of these things, um, like, uh, your Aidless one's really nice, um, but that's hard to find. Uh, who do the uh, Fortitude's Pacer? I think that's the one I'm thinking of. Yep, yep yeah, that's Fortitude. That's um, nice. Um, that's impossible to find as well. Yeah. Um, actual light beer is, like, under 3%. There's not that much. No, there's very few. Um, so I think East Point definitely has a spot. I have been sipping on, while we've done this, the a crankshaft. Um, yeah. Reasonably fresh. It's from... Uh, date code's hard to read. Fresh enough. Fresh enough. Two, one... 
Yeah, 26th of... End of of October. End of October. So it's coming up to four months old. That's not actually that fresh, but it's tasting good. It's fresh enough. Yeah. Crankshaft again, condition. Yep. Great beer when when you can find it, but yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, worthy uh, recipient of the top spot. Yep. Um, Hopefully that answers people's pressing Gab's questions, Hottest 100 questions. If they had any. Left yeah, well, after the month. Um, well, exactly. We do what we can here. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, well, I think that's all for me. I didn't actually have a lot, but that was uh, some interesting little facts and figures, so thank you for gathering those up. No worries. Hopefully <laughs> it was interesting for those listening as well. Indeed. We will be back shortly. We are back with what we're drinking. Uh, first up, a couple from the previous podcast that we said we'd talk about. Uh, Sober Mesa was the first. Um, I have had their Daily Brett, is it? I think that was the first one, yep. Yep. Uh, that's the only one of theirs I've had. Um, we do have a coffee sour, I think. Yeah. coffee wild ale. And I have, I think it's called Monkey Mind or something. Ah, yeah, the, the smaller format The bottles. small format one. I bought one yeah. the other day. But I'm in the same boat. I've only had our daily bread. Yeah, I thought it was really good, though. So More of I. a straight saison than I was expecting. Yeah, it was funky, which is fun. Yeah, not 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 sour, though. Um, no, no. Definitely no. more of, yeah, like definitely a bit of bread in there. Um, and it, yeah. will, it will definitely develop well over time, you would think. Um, I thought it was really nice, though, and really promising, and I'm definitely keen to try more of their stuff. Yeah, so am I. Um, I've been, you know, keen for them to launch for the best part of last year. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Been impressed with the one beer I've had, and it's good to see them knocking out a few things close together, not just one beer, wait a few months. (laughs) So, yeah, Yeah, it'll be cool. Yeah, Yeah. so looking forward to more from them. Um, The other one we mentioned was Exit Session Ale, um, which I think we've both had. I've had quite a few of them. I've Um, had at least two of them. Yeah, um, good, really, it's a, it's a good beer. It is, um, loads of citrus and tropical. I don't think you'd know that it's a mid-strength when you drink it. Yeah, it's got that, kind of got that sort of thin sort of thing going on, but it's not it's not strong, no. Like, I, I don't think if it was put in front of you, you'd immediately notice. Yeah, it's not like egregiously thin, like one of those ones where you go, ugh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, it's, it's a nice beer, and um, yeah, we'll probably be in regular rotation for a while if I can keep finding it fresh. Yep. Um, apart from that, uh, we visited a few breweries. We saw, went to Hawkers and Future Mountain. Um, and Bodrigi. Yep, yep, and Bodrigi. Uh, I sort of, I think Hawkers and Future Mountain are the two we haven't talked about before. Yeah, that probably. I was thinking of. That's probably um, fair. So we did it. We've, we may not have talked about Bodrigi. Bodrigi is good. We can just say that, I guess. Yeah, go to Bodrigi, eat... Uh, we definitely have. It was the smoked cod yeah, yeah, taco yeah. thing in the jalapeno. Yeah. Eat that. Eat yeah. that. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was very noisy when we went, but the beer was good. Yeah, beer's always good. Um, Hawkers and Future Mountain, though, I was, like, pretty impressed with both of them. Um, Hawkers is very reasonably priced. Um, Super reasonably priced. What were they? $6 pots, $9 schooners of everything. Everything, yeah, yeah. Um, and the cans were reasonably priced, too. I think it was, like, $8 cans for the sale we got. Yep. Something like that. Um, that was also like 8.5% or something. Yeah, which I didn't realise. Something intelligent. But no, no, the beer, obviously, Hawkers make great beer. Um, it's yep. it's a nice spot, really like 
very open sort of outdoor outdoor sort of area. It's fun. Like you, you go to the bathrooms sort of inside an office building, which is fun. Yeah, um, I think when we were there, Muzzin was talking about they're looking at building like a permanent thing. So at the moment, it's like tables outdoors, which is great in summer in Melbourne, but not in winter. Yeah, um, I'd probably still go in winter and drink some stuff. Look, so would I, but we're I'd probably not it. the average client. <laughs> yeah, he's probably not just looking at us, unfortunately. Um, but no, they had food truck there. Um, yeah, which was... made really good souvlakis when I was there on the day. Yeah, yeah, and it's just it, it's a nice vibe. So like, if you if you're on the fence about it, it's worth a little trek. Yeah, go um, go to Hawkers, have nine dollar schooners of something stupid. What do we yeah, have? The, the triple IPA, double or yeah, the Mandarin double neap, yeah. Mandarina double neap. Yeah. yeah, that's a stupid beer for nine dollars a schooner. That's a yeah, way to, yeah. to start a day off that would end badly. <laughs> um, Future Mountain was you know sort of roughly in the same area. Um, Fiji Mountain was good. I liked it. Um, their, their beer is obviously really good too. Um, I like that you could buy large format bottles to share and they're pretty reasonably priced. Yeah, really reasonably priced as well because they have the like low alcohol stuff in the large format bottles, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I their stuff's really good and I enjoyed the venue. It's a pretty classic just craft brewery venue. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, um, food truck wasn't as good as Hawker's, but no, you, know, you get that. definitely good jobs. not. Wink. <laughs> um, swings and roundabouts, but you know, for a brewery that does dark lagers and saisons and sours, it's a fun time. I would definitely go back. I'd probably yeah. like to like go there first and have a better look. Um, but yeah, that, that I enjoyed that, and um, yes, both of them worth visiting. So yeah, do, if do that if you're in the northern suburbs, and then just yeah. skip going to Carwin for 400 beers. Yes, that's the part though. That's how they get you. Yeah. <laughs> um, Bolter's Cryo Mofo, which we've both had, came out recently. Yeah, you got that. Ago. That was great fun. Yeah, just a good fruity West Coast IPA. Yeah. Not as good as Dimples, but that doesn't mean it was not good. It just means Dimples was extremely good. Dimples also placed somewhere in the hottest 100. Yeah, yeah. I did say, I saw, I did see it on there somewhere. Um, 216 but- maybe, something like that. Yeah, yeah, um, but that was that's that's that was an amazing beer, um, and Cromofer perhaps not quite there, but it's a bit different. Like it's cool to see two West Coast IPAs, and this one's a bit different. It's the first of a series where they're going to do West Coast East Coast with different hops. Yeah, which I think is really cool. Uh, yeah, and if the first one's any exam, any yeah example, the next three should be good. Yeah, yeah, I'm keen to see what they do with the same hop bill, but making it hazy. I think it will turn out nicely. Yeah, it was fruity enough that you'd think it would. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Deeds Fire Gates of Hellers. I haven't had this one, but you uh, spoke highly of it. Yeah, I had it the other night. I reckon it's one of the best Hellers lagers in the country. Deeds knocking out of the park with their lagers again. Again, just smashed it. <laughs> Which is good. Uh, not what they're known for, but clearly what they enjoy doing. Um, it was interesting reading, don't know if you get the newsletter from Mountain Culture, but how they were talking about how making lager is not a waste of time but like basically people don't really ask for it it's you know a bit annoying to reduce but they are so such firm believers in like the fact that you know breweries should be making good lager um they shouldn't be just drinking macro lager that yeah they, they want to keep doing it and um apparently the local community quite gets around it even if the wider online community doesn't get excited um and i imagine it's the same for deeds i guess is why i brought that up there you go. I do get the Mountain Culture email, but I haven't read that. So that 
I will have to go digging for. They've just started doing Q&A recently because they realized that they didn't really have anything to say except just be like, here is the beer we released. Yeah. Um, so they've tried to splash it out. It's quite interesting, uh, worth reading. Uh, so that goes for the, the listeners too if you're interested in mountain cultures going on. So they've got some good Q&A stuff. And yeah, it's, it's a good read now. Yeah, um, I would definitely try that for our gets of hellers. Um, Verdant Brewing from the UK. Um, I had their Mary Sue Pale Ale, um, which was fantastic. Like one of the best hazy pales I've had in a long time. Just a real depth of flavour I wasn't expecting. Um, I think you had one too. Yeah, Neil gets things done. That's, that's the one. one. Yeah, I don't what it's called. I think that's a Nipah. It is, and it was. I was very sceptical about how these would travel. Yeah, yeah, me too, yeah. me too. I was the first sip I was like shocked at how how good it tasted. I was like, okay, yeah. well, this is fine, obviously. Yeah, this this was really good. Really top notch. Um Again, hazy's not always easy to talk about, but Yeah, you know, what am I gonna say? It's cr- was slightly creamy mouthfeel, fruit forward. Yeah. Know? We all know, the, we know all the buzzwords. All the good stuff. Um and you had a bunch of your Adler stuff that uh Otters got in. They had a little shipment to Melbourne. I did. I've I've had I think two of them, and again they've just been you know knocked everything out of the park. I had a I think a it was that's a low alcohol one actually. I think it's called Future Light and it's about two point eight or two point nine percent. Yeah, I mentioned that one before. That's um that is a, a good beer from memory. I just can never find it. Yeah, it's, it tastes like a four and a half to five percent pale ale. You you wouldn't have a clue. Like it's, yeah, it's ever so slightly thin, but not noticeably. Yeah, and you can't help that in the end. No. All you can do is cover it up with good hop flavour. Exactly. And then I had a, I think it was a West Coast pale ale, which is just old school American style pale ale. It was awesome. Good bitterness, you know. Yeah, if you haven't tried your Adler, do yourself a favour. If you're listening, they um they consistently do excellent hop-based stuff. And, um, yeah, hopefully see more of it. And if Stephen Marshall lets us into the state, we should go there at some point. Yeah, yeah, I think that would be that'd be a worthwhile trip. Um, I think that's it for what we're drinking. Um, just a, a quickie. Yeah, we've drunk lots of stuff, but that's the notable stuff. Yeah, it's what the stuff worth discussing. I think. Um, we'll be back to finish up the ranking of lagers. We are back with the ranking of lagers. Uh, every month we take, well, we're back to one this month, a lager, and add it to a master list of L- Life got in the way this time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, top five at the moment, Pills and Oakel from the Czech Republic, Tenants from Scotland, Carlsberg from Denmark, Kilmes from Argentina, and Kingfisher from India. Bottom five are Red Stripe from Jamaica, Bintang from Indonesia, Vonu from Fiji, Kus Kenya from Peru, and Pabs Blue Ribbon as a contract beer. Um, this month we have Zivit, which is, uh, Z-Y-W-I-E-C. You would have seen it around, no doubt, at our various bottle shops. This is the Polish entry. Um, interested, I, I wouldn't have been able to pick, like, the most popular Polish one. So this one makes sense now that I see it. Like, when I saw it, I'm like, oh, yeah, that, that checks out. Poland's issue is there are, like, four million lagers. That was it. That's it. Yeah. There's so many Polish lagers. Um, but yeah, I... I don't quite remember how I settled on this one, but this is the, clearly the correct answer. <laughs> I think especially for Australians, it is. It's the most yeah. accessible one for us, I think. Yeah, exactly. Um, so a bit of history on this one. The brewery opened in the town of the same name in 1856. 
which at the time was part of Austrian Poland, which is a whole other rabbit hole people can go down if they yep. want to. Um, it was owned by the Habsburg family, which is quite cool, until it was confiscated after World War II by the Polish communist regime. It had begun distribution to the wider Austro-Hungarian Empire in 1913 before it was bought by Heineken in the early 90s, who currently own a 65% share. The sale to Heineken saw a group of descendants of the Habsburg family sue the Polish government for 77 million US dollars. Um, it was mostly for IP stuff. Um, yeah, I guess it was for taking it. Uh, co- no, no. So it was mostly about the IP, like so the commercialization of their coat of arms and all that sort of crap, which is quite interesting. Um, after a very lengthy legal battle that was settled out of court for an undisclosed fee in 2005. Um, and interestingly, this is one of my favorite tidbits about Polish lager. Um, the same, the Heineken own a group of, I think it's five or six um, breweries in Poland. Um, one of those is the El Brewery, which has an emu and a kangaroo on its logo. Bizarre. And that there's some link to Alan Bond in there, but which is the answer of why. But yeah, yeah. The, the specifics of that are beyond me. <laughs> Probably beyond a lot of people, I imagine. I think most people. It's very hard to find the answer. Yeah. Uh, well, there you go. That's a, it's a, a very interesting history. A lot of them are. A yeah, lot of they them are. have that better stories than... Uh, the beer would lead you to believe. Yeah. I don't know if you smelled this. Yeah, look, it's... um Acrid, sweet. Mm, the smell is offensive. Yeah. The taste is less so. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those ones. It's, it's like... It's another non-exciting one. It's kind of almost too bitter, almost too sweet, but kind of just... Not like a not too bitter, as in like that. It's that fake bitterness, I think. Harsh, metallic I'd, kind of bitterness. It's got this weird, almost like sharpy aroma. <laughs> that's yeah, and I think that that's kind of it's got this sort of fusel bitterness, not like an alcohol thing, but just this like yeah, little yeah. acrid edge to it, which I never really liked because I've had this a bit. Um, yeah, this is um, not great. No, um, yeah, not as bad as the smell would lead you to believe, but it's definitely pretty average entry, I would say. Yeah, I think we should probably take this off mic while we work out yeah. where uh, this we, goes. We'll return. All right, after brief deliberation, very brief deliberation. Um, it's rare that it works that quickly. <laughs> yeah, uh, Jivitz is going in at number 27. Um, so in between Skopskov and uh, Mythos, Um yeah, not super impressive, not quite bad enough for bottom five, but from a country that makes pretty good beer, it's not a great uh, ambassador. I think you'll be pleased it didn't make bottom five, so you don't have to say it every month. Yeah. Uh, well, look, well, I know how to say it now. It's more just trying to translate. It doesn't translate well over the mic, I think, is the problem, because it, it literally sounds nothing like what it looks like. Exactly. Uh, as, like, I said, I think, as I said to you, I knew it ended in what sounds like a T. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you're right. Um, I think it's, yeah, a lot of people, you know, just I've heard it called like Zwick, Zwack, Zwayek. Zwayek, I think, would be the the general Bogan Australian way of saying it. Yeah, yeah, but Zivit. Um, so I'll make yeah. sure if, if anyone ever says it wrong again, I'll be like, excuse me, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's, it's clearly Zivit. Can, can you read? Um, but yeah, no, that's... Uh, Look, not a, not a great placement, but uh, 
they they escape the ignominy of being put in the bottom five and having to be read out every week. So yes, you're correct in that regard. Um, we got rid of Carla Vaco, so it'd be nice nice not to have another one that replaces it put in there. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. I think that just about does us for this time around. Um, we got through a lot of news. Had a lot to catch up on. Um, try to be more timely. We always say that. We yeah, were for a while. We'll see how we go. Lockdown was good in that respect. Yeah, the only good thing about it, really. Um, if you want to get in touch, you can get in touch at angus at com or dylan at com. com. It's like thinking it's not .au, but then screwed up the name in a different way, so it's, <laughs> it's all happening. Um, or, or you can comment on the website. Yeah, well, I was going to say, yeah, if you want, if you want to save having to look at that, but yes, um, Angus at bureauclockaustralia.com or Dylan at bureauclockaustralia.com. Uh, you can listen to us on, you know, subscribe to us on Spotify, etc., etc. Um, otherwise, we will be back in a few weeks, month. Yeah, somewhere wherever in there. the wind takes us. Yep, somewhere in March, hopefully. Yeah, and um, hopefully, I have some interesting stuff for you then. Thank you. Excellent. Thanks, Dylan. Thank you. Now, for those who don't have a clue, yeah, let me break this down for you. Wellness, two in the crew. Myself, they call me Gentleman Gene. Chilling with the illest that the scenes ever seen.